0: This week, we welcome Shri Sundar Lingam, Vice President of Security and Cloud Solutions at ExtraHop, to discuss securing the hybrid workforce in 2021 and beyond. In the Leadership and Communications section, it's Darth Vader Week, Leadership from the Dark Side. Compassionate leadership is necessary but not sufficient. Three steps to run better and more efficient meetings and more. Business Security Weekly starts now. This is Security Weekly.
1: For security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we explore the business of security to improve the security of business. Your trusted source for actionable insights on leadership, communication, and innovation. Get ready for Business Security Weekly. Most breaches are caused by exploiting oversights in basic cybersecurity fundamentals. But complex, hybrid, multi-cloud infrastructures make cybersecurity hygiene challenging. Red Seal can help. It shows you what's on your network, how it's connected, and the associated risk across public cloud, private cloud, and physical environments. With Red Seal, you'll get control of your cybersecurity fundamentals so you can protect your organization from the inevitable attack vectors and reduce your cyber risk. For more information, visit securityweekly.com forward slash Cyber Risk and Compliance Automation is finally here! Arduous legacy GRC systems cannot support the powerful real-time automation and oversight that organizations require to take risks that matter and compete in today's business climate. CyberSaint ingests data from your existing tech stack to deliver unprecedented, patented automation and visibility into enterprise risk and compliance. Don't get left behind! See why the most forward-thinking CISOs and business leaders of Fortune 500 and more partner with CyberSaint. Maximize your cybersecurity program today by visiting securityweekly.com/cybersaintbsw. forward As a security leader, cybera for Teams was built to make your job easier. Are you struggling to measure your team's skills proficiency, provide critical or relevant role-based training, or translate training investments into meaningful business outcomes? Cybray for Teams is the industry's number one NIST aligned, DoD 8140 and 8570 compliance certification and skills training platform. 96% of the Fortune 500 have employees training on Cybrary. Cybrary for teams. Skills development solved. Visit cybrary.it forward slash solved to solve your training problems.
0: Welcome to Business Security Weekly. This is episode number 199, recorded December 7th, 2020. I am your host, Matt Alderman, here in Colorado. Joining me from GUnit Studios in Rhode Island are my co-hosts, Mr. Paul Asadorian and Mr. Jason Albuquerque, but I think Jason's remote. Jason, Jason is Zimbo.
1: remote today. Yes. It's good to be here. It's good to see we're talking about Star Wars in the next segment. Because I was like yesterday years old when I discovered the significance of Wilro Hood. If you don't know cool. what that is, I'll I'll talk about it at the top of the next segment.
0: <laughs> Jason, welcome. Sorry, I thought you were in studio, but I had so many issues to get started today. I, I all good, I all look. good. I,
2: I wish I was in studio, <laughs> honestly.
0: Yes. So do I. Scythe is offering a free Purple Team workshop where attendees get hands-on in an isolated enterprise environment for three hours. It's scheduled for December 9th, the day before Security Weekly unlocked. Register for this free workshop now by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash Purple Team SW. Also, in our upcoming webcasts and technical trainings, you will learn how to prevent phishing scams. And not only that, you're going to learn like the ins and outs of what works and doesn't work on email security, uh, Kevin uh, from Great Horn. Oh my gosh, it's just every time we talk to him, we learn so much more. You should attend that one. And also how to move beyond vulnerability scan to vulnerability fix. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash webcast to see what we have coming up or visit securityweekly.com forward slash on demand to view all of our previously recorded webcasts. This segment is sponsored by ExtraHop. To learn more, please visit securityweekly.com forward slash ExtraHop. Sri Sundaralingam is the Vice President of Security and Cloud Solutions at ExtraHop. Ah, tongue twister today. (laughs) An accomplished and dedicated product and marketing executive. He brings years of experience in information security, cloud security, data networking, and enterprise software markets. Sri, welcome to Business Security Weekly.
3: Thank you, Matt. Really excited to be uh, with you guys, with you, Paul, and Jason. Look, look forward to this, uh, to this discussion.
2: Yeah,
0: we did a webcast with you earlier in the year, but I think this is your first time on Business Security Weekly, so uh, this will be fun. Kind of, will break you into the podcast. <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So I'm let's start. It. Yeah, I mean, as we were doing the prep call for this, you know, this concept of hybrid workforce and this kind of the new normal of the hybrid workforce is already emerging, right? We we know some organizations are going to go back, but whatever kind of transpires, even over the next few months, we're in some sort of permanent hybrid workforce model, I think, for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I was talking to a small business owner last night, and she's like, it could take like five years to recover from this, from like a normal business operational perspective. And I thought that was a very interesting take. So I want to start first with some challenges around when we think about workforce and we think about hybrid, what do we have to think about in our network design, our network monitoring capabilities to be able to support and stitch together on-premise usage versus remote usage when it comes to our workforce? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, great point, Matt. So when you think about what many of the industries have gone through this year, right, with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, I would argue there are several industries like utilities, government, um, uh, and many more industries where, you know, you had policies to lock down your authorized devices and you limited access, you yeah, limited access provision for guest access or BYOD. Uh, And that completely changed this year with the pandemic, right, with scaling out remote access. And in many of these industries, as we look forward to 2021, you know, why would you go back to the old model, right? If you've achieved efficiencies now with scaling out remote access, uh, why wouldn't you continue to enable that for your workforce and think about a hybrid workforce strategy where, you know, you can no longer lock down your authorized devices, right? Uh, at your uh, corporate offices, your headquarters, or branch offices, or factories, or uh, whatnot, right? And where you do allow this uh, this this mobility, right, uh, for authorized devices, uh, where employees can work remotely when they need to, and uh, they can be in the office when needed uh, as we go into 2021. And as you said, uh, we're probably not going back to that old normal anytime soon. So with this new normal, What do you have to think about, right, from our overall security policies uh, and and dealing with, uh, you know, a a different threat model, right, and dealing with, you know, uh, risk as employees do come back back into work uh, and then enabling this uh, sort of a hybrid strategy. So I would argue you have to look at everything from your security policies, your security architecture, to threat monitoring and response uh, strategies as you bring your employees back into work as we go into next year.
1: Sure, I, yeah. I agree. And I think it's interesting that uh, the next challenge may be how we all go back to work and what we can do in our security programs to enable that. Because unless you've got a you know a really accurate crystal ball, we don't know how we're gonna go back to work. Yeah. I think, and this is gonna vary depending on industry and organization, that a certain percentage of people will work from home. I think some statistic I read in a survey said that like 30% of the people said they would love to just work from home and their employer said, yes, keep working from home. Then you get into the next 70%. I think some will go back to the office, but I also think there's a hybrid model where they may go back to the office for a certain period of time, maybe work from home four days a week, go into the office one day a week. I also think there's going to be temporary office spaces, right? Where people will kind of cycle in and out eventually. Um, as enterprises realize they don't need these massive buildings anymore there's going to be some kind of hybrid you're going to have organizations that have a you know each of those flavors kind of in their arsenal and and that brings forth like how what do we do in our security programs now to deal with the new way that people are working because I do agree it's going to be different
2: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more, Paul. I mean, at the end of the day, this disruption is going to change the way we work forever. It's Mm -hmm. not it's not when we go back to the way it used to be, because it's never going to go back to the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, from from leadership perspective, the statistics are showing that we're just as productive, if not even more productive in a remote workforce. Um, the statistics are showing CFOs are looking at brick and mortar buildings saying, why do we even have these anymore? So, but you know, the, don't the, the forget no-
1: about the article you talked about where innovation was suffering because of this work from home.
2: Right. But that's d- does that does that lend to a scenario where we need to be better at collaborating and innovative mm-hmm. and innovative thinking in and, and, and collaboration remotely? Or does that force us to have to be in person all the time? what's the solution? That that becomes the question, right? And and at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a hybrid approach. It's going to be a mix because, you know, if, if we have a space where we can go in and be together, um, you know, as needed, I think that's, that's going to be a better option for the future than just having these brick-and-mortar spots that are just constantly full of people that we don't need in the office, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, as uh, I agree with you guys, uh, Paul and Jason, even for the companies that have opted to, uh give employees uh the the choice of working permanently remote they still have to have some way of bringing them together right to enable collaboration on a per need basis so regardless of you know uh, whether you're gonna try to promote more permanent remote work uh, or whether it's you know hybrid uh strategies i I think uh this is this is a trend that the security and it team has to deal with as we go into 2021. Mm.
0: I think we already have part of this as a good example, and I think about schools. I think about my son. Paul, I know Mm -hmm. your kids are going through the same thing. We're in this mode right now, and I wanna use this a little bit as an example because I, I think about what my son goes through right now. Two days a week, he was going to school. They're not right now, but they would go in classroom. So he would take his computer to school. On Wednesdays, everybody's off because they're doing this cleaning, And then on Thursday, Friday, he's remote from home and you kind of flip the model for the other set of kids. Okay, so let's think about that because that's a very interesting scenario for a remote workforce. Maybe you're on site two days a week and you're not on site two to three days a week. You've got this device. Now, in my son's case, it's his device. It's his MacBook, but it doesn't have... You know, it may not have an endpoint solution on it. It might not have some of the other controls that a corporation uses. Think about that scenario from a security perspective for a second. It's at home two days. It's offline one day. It's at school for two days. Mm -hmm. How do we start to think about behavior analysis? How do we start thinking about, remember, we were talking about using machine learning and artificial intelligence to help identify outliers. In that scenario, that's pretty difficult.
3: Yeah, I mean, great point, Matt. And I think uh, the the risk model has changed. So your whatever your old framework that you had for monitoring and responding to threats, uh, you have to reassess it, right? Like, for example, through remote access, uh, you could limit access to specific applications and resources, right, uh, when you scaled up remote access. But when that employee goes back into work with their authorized and BYOD devices, right, now you're in a situation where uh, they're going to have possibly, like, especially in the case of, let's say, authorized devices, they could have, uh, you know, more access than they had through remote access. And, you know, an infected device, whether it has a, a endpoint protection capability or not, I mean, it's a higher risk device, right, uh, in terms of when, the, when those employees go back into work. Uh, and, you know, uh, how do you... How do you kind of think about uh, monitoring, you know, those risky uh, behavior, right? I mean, the the threat itself could have initiated when the employee was at home, right? The device may have gotten infected. There have been some uh, suspicious activities coming through remote access, but now that employee is back at corporate and have full access to the corporate network.
0: Yeah. Jason, I'm curious how you start thinking about this from a policy perspective, it, and I, then that drives into some process work, and then it drives into some security tool control oh, discussion. Yeah. I, totally. mean, I you- mean,
2: when we when we first kicked into remote workforce, we spent a lot of time um, just working on process with our most high risk business units, right? So finance, HR, uh, you know, business units of that nature that that are really dealing with our most sensitive information. Uh, and we started redefining processes so that way we could enable the, the remote workforce. I think, I think step one is understanding the process. Step two is understanding what type of data is moving around. And then from there, figuring out what you need to protect. But we spent a good amount of time focused on HR process and finance process out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, the process is a big part of this
1: yeah um, you don't need process you just need sassy and you're all you're all good <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but i say that half kidding it actually when you dig into that technology could really help your organization because i think you can yeah. work towards a point where it doesn't matter what device or what type of device someone has now you still have to protect the data so uh, that that's a thing mm-hmm. um, but in terms of brokering access and monitoring to Shree's point where people are accessing your applications the uh secure access service edge right is the technology that, that in my opinion has the most potential to allow you to do that and Shri, i'm sure it's on your radar to be able to integrate with that technology so we can monitor that that traffic and make decisions
3: yeah def- definitely a great point paul I, I think as architectures are evolving right uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, you know, supporting this remote and mobile workforce more and more, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's SASE, uh, some combination of SASE with, you know, wall security architectures and the corporate, you know, uh, campus networking perspective, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, a technology. Uh, let's say if I were to put this argument in front, you know, a network-based approach to threat, Uh, monitoring and response right can help a lot of organizations right rather than just kind of relying on let's say uh agent-based or log-based approach if we can also incorporate you know a network-based approach then whether it's you know managed devices or whether it's unmanaged and uninstrumented devices uh, you know as you go into this new normal you'll be in a lot better position in terms of monitoring uh sort of your behaviors of your end users, whether they're coming through uh, a VPN termination point, or whether they're at their corporate network, or they're or they're you know uh going direct, you know, direct to net, right, with, with the SASE type of architecture, you can monitor those uh, risk scenarios in a corporate HQ environment or remote offices environment, uh, and then be able to equip your security and IT teams to deal with uh incidents right uh and those risk scenarios
1: shri it's really interesting i uh, it and i read the, an article that was talking about this with respect to cloud ac- architecture but i also liken it to sassy based architecture and that is i think the dmz is making a comeback <laughs> and <laughs> one of the things you can do is you know people are maybe over you know working from the, their friend's house for a day or whatever they're working in different places and they want to go check their email and they do that from an untrusted device well when you connect into the VPN architecture if you're coming from that untrusted device you've only got access to certain limited amount of things it, essentially you're like dmz right it's not public facing but it's you're coming from this level of trusted or untrusted device you have access to that if you can prove to me who you are even further and validate your machine even more maybe you're at another corporate headquarters or corporate office somewhere you have access to more stuff and you can design specifically that architecture and really it's kind of the resurgence of the dmz which is crazy if you think about it
3: yeah yeah no, your perimeter is not dissolved it's your perimeter is expanded, if mm-hmm. anything right I mean your attack surface has increased mm-hmm. uh, and so we absolutely uh, agree with you Paul when you think about it uh, wh- whether it's uh, even even for example, there's a lot of organizations that have accelerated their cloud adoption, right So we we're living more and more in a hybrid cloud world today as well. So I think the job of the, the security teams is even gotten difficult in terms of, you know, monitoring and responding to threats, right? In, in a hybrid world environment, uh, and as architectures are being kind of rethought, right? Projects like network segmentation and access policies, for example, uh, how do you give them, you know, the right tool, right? In terms of uh, uh, dealing with the hybrid enterprise architectures and dealing with, you know, new threats as they evolve.
0: Mm. Sri, one of the stats you gave me when we were preparing for this is you're still seeing 60 to 70% unmanaged devices. I mean, we know that the endpoint vendors are loving this environment because they're putting endpoints on as much stuff as they can. But there's still a big percentage of devices hitting the network that are unmanaged. Some of them can't have agents on them. So how do you get visibility into some of this stuff? I just thought that was a very interesting stat because we would instinctively think, oh, we just throw an endpoint agent on all of our devices and we're, we're set. But with that kind of unmanaged device number, that's
2: not the solution either. No. And I'd love to dig into that stat a little bit more guys, because what, what are those devices? Are they IOT devices? Are they, you know, are they traditional endpoints like laptop, tablet type of deal? Like what's, what's the profile of these
3: yeah great, great question Jason. so when uh when a lot of the comp organizations went to remote work earlier this year, uh we as an extra hub did a study through the threat telemetry that we collect worldwide uh, and we you know we we analyze uh, petabytes of data, right uh, on a daily and weekly basis. so what we saw was uh, it was very interesting initially, uh, even though the, the the connectivity went down in terms of the end users uh, not being at the offices anymore, there was still a lot of, you know, treadmills to, you know, uh, obviously it's printers, right? Your smart televisions to, you know, uh, video, right? Your video monitoring systems, you name it, right? So a lot of those devices initially... Uh, were active and then and then they also went down. And the IT team started to turn down those. I mean, not the video monitoring, security monitoring, but the mm-hmm. treadmills and a lot of those IoT uh, smart screens or smart TVs. A lot of them were going offline. So it was really really interesting to see how they were trying to contain risk uh, when they were in, in off. Uh, they were in, at office. Now, as you go back to work, uh, a lot of those devices are going to get turned back on, uh, turned back up on, right? So yeah, that 60, 70% of those unmanaged devices are, uh, there's uh, a good percentage of that is uh, IoT devices that are unmanaged. Well, they're managed in terms of you're deploying them for a, a particular uh, you know, use case, particular benefit for your organization, right? Uh, like treadmills, for example, right, that is connected to your corporate network, but uh, they're unmanaged or un- uninstrumented from a security perspective, uh, for example, because they may not even generate logs for you to look at if there was an, a targeted attack that compromised one of those devices, and then the, and then the actor, right, the attacker, uh, sort of uh, uh, navigated from that compromised device uh, to internally within your corporate environment, it's very difficult to go back and trace, you know, where did this attack originate from, right? So definitely uh, a good percentage of those devices are IoT devices. And there's also, uh, on a normal scenario, we would see a lot of BYOD devices as well. So um, so that's that's where that number was coming from, which is quite scary.
0: And we know we covered earlier today some of the Android uh, apps out there that are extremely vulnerable. Some of these are embedded in some of these tvs and other devices that yeah, are sitting actually, on your network I think
1: my think tread, my treadmill runs android matt mm-hmm. tie it all together yeah
0: it does yeah, i have, I you've have got, a
1: smart uh, uh treadmill and it does run android
0: yeah some of your smart tvs or some of these other devices could be potentially running android and it, we know I, there's a bunch of vulnerabilities out there so they are gateways you
1: upgrade the firmware just talk about how weird the networking is it won't do that over an encrypted Wi-Fi connection. It has to be an open Wi-Fi connection. So talk about the challenges of securing some of these devices, both in your homes and in the workplace. It can be very challenging, forcing you to make rules uh, and exceptions to those rules to support these devices, which we hope we apply a proper network segmentation but of course, since Shri is here, you want to monitor for that to make sure that your segmentation is—is right. is it really segmented, or is it just on a different subnet and there's any any allow?
3: It's a great point, Paul. Like uh, default configuration on many of these uh, IoT devices, whether it's smart TVs or mm-hmm. right uh, from that to video uh, monitoring system to even treadmills, the default configuration uh, does not enable SSL or right secure communication. Uh, and you know, while the IT team has the the best interest to configure deployed properly, sometimes sometimes they miss it, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to monitor, you know, uh, sort of IoT devices whether uh, they're whether they're provisioned for secure communication, right? Whether they're uh, sort of deviating from their normal behavior, right? Uh, th- that's all very critical. Uh, and I would say, you know, it should be a double-pronged effort, right? Secure those devices, as you said, uh, enable secure communication, you know, patch them, right? If you can patch them for any latest vulnerabilities. And then the other, the flip side of it is monitor them, right? All of these uninstrumented, you know, unmanaged uh, devices from a security perspective, right? As well as BYOD devices mm-hmm. when they're all going to come back into the corporate environment. Yeah.
0: sure. when we think about just the base deployment model now for monitoring your network. We gotta think about on-prem, we gotta think about remote access, and we have to think about cloud at, at a minimum, right? How do you effectively deploy that and then bring all that back together in a centralized way to really support threat detection response, right? Because we do need some correlation with logs, maybe. We do need some correlation with threat intelligence. But, but how do we really get good visibility into those kind of three main categories of of network areas?
3: Yeah, no, great, great question, Matt. And th- that's part of the struggle right now, right? Like uh, the security teams have disjointed dataset, right? Because the on-prem environment may be uh, instrumented one way, and cloud is instrumented differently, and then maybe your VPN termination points are instrumented uh, uh, using a different strategy as well. So like when you have these disjointed data sets, this is what makes security and IT teams job a lot difficult as you guys know. Like how do you, you know, how do you have a 360 viewpoint in terms of emerging threats, right? uh, To be able to respond a lot quickly, regardless of whether it's on prem cloud, right? Or your VPN termination points. So, I mean, one thing I can say ExtraHop has done well is I will reveal like 360, uh, you know, when we, you could deploy our sensors anywhere, right, in AWS, Azure, GCP environment to on-premise data centers and campus environments, and then using SaaS and cloud-delivered services, you know, we're able to provide a full 360 viewpoint, right, in terms of uh, looking at threats regardless of wherever they're in, in, uh, emerging, and then being able to provide a investigative workflow. Uh, from a threat detection monitoring uh, perspective to the security teams. Uh, and then to your other point about how do you kind of tie it in with you know logs and other threat telemetry data uh, you're getting, it's important to integrate right with the customer, the organization's uh, security stack. Uh, you know, whether it's using you know API based approaches and you know pushing out the relevant data, uh, uh, you know, helping customers stitch that data together. Uh, to be able to uh, you know uh, use the full set of arsenal available to them in the environment yeah, yeah. yeah I mean those are Jeez. those
2: are the two key pieces for for folks like on my staff right it's it's making sure that they have the 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 right information they need it, they need bubbled to the top along with the context that they need right so that integration piece is, is a key a key item for me. I mean, you know uh, my, my my staff can't effectively uh, respond, Without that context, right, in, in, in that integration into all the different type of applications, I'm even talking hosted applications like the Salesforces of the world, Azure Active Directory, right? Getting all of that context in together.
0: Yeah, I, I was curious, Jason, how you've kind of approached it a little bit, knowing that you're in this hybrid environment. You've been there for a while, and, yeah. and I'm, just, you know, obviously integrations important, but also just the base data collection. Like, mm-hmm. do you? Do you streamline product selection that in so that you can collect more stuff from a single solution, yes. so that minimizes but, integration?
2: Because a yep. lot of point solutions here would be difficult, I think. Yeah, and that's the key, right? So we've we've made the transition away from going to those best of breed Gartner Magic Quadrant uh, point solutions that don't integrate well, and we're starting to pull away from that and going toward more of an ecosystem approach. Because we're finding that we get better context. Maybe they're not, you know, maybe, you know, one or two of the solutions in our ecosystem isn't in that magic quadrant, but it integrates so well because it's part of one cohesive ecosystem. We're getting better context, better data, being able to bubble that data up to the top quicker.
0: Yeah. And I think that's going to be one of the big strategic shifts in this hybrid environment is looking at the solutions, figuring out what integrates well, minimize the number of integrations because... Any single solution, they change their API, they, you know, just all the nightmares
2: associated with, I think, integrating lots of solution gets difficult. Yeah, yeah we've 100% gone to that ecosystem type approach, right, versus versus a whole bunch of point sol- uh, solutions that we're trying to stitch together that break often, right, and and, and don't integrate well together, uh, aren't built for purpose to integrate together. So, yeah, that ecosystem approach has been been successful for us.
3: Another consideration here, Matt and Jason, is also how do you get the IT and the security teams to work together as well? Yeah. Uh, talking about you know th- this data set that that you have, right? Uh, uh, you know, whether it's logs or network data, for example. Like, how do you how do you get these teams to you know when you have whether not just like your highest priority, most critical incidents you're dealing with. Uh, But even like day-to-day challenges that, you know, the security and IT teams need to work together. Kind of as we go into this new normal where a lot of organizations have accelerated uh, their, quote-unquote, their digital transformation projects, right, which was forced by the pandemic. Uh, one One of the trends we are also seeing is, you know, enabling common solutions and common data set to IT and security teams to work on uh, those, uh, the you know, their specific set of issues, and you know, whether it's day-to-day issues or projects, will mm-hmm. will help their organizations quite a bit. So, love to get your thoughts on that, uh, Jason.
2: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's not only the technical integration we need, right? It's the it's the business unit department integration we need. Uh, you know, I one of the, I, I've spoke about it on the on the show plenty of times. At this point, our IT operations team is is a glorified security team, right? Because they're so. Those two teams are so integrated together in the day-to-day operations and projects, initiatives, working incidents together. Um, you know, we basically have another set of security professionals on the IT operations team, which is outstanding. Yeah,
0: yeah. especially when you have a network right. issue that creates an outage because it's an availability yep. issue, but it could also be a security-related issue. That's it.
3: Yeah, yeah, and this has been our experience as well at XROP but we found, uh, you know, a lot of or customers, you know, their security teams, even though may buy our product and they deploy their network, the IT ops team, right? To your point, Jason will get interested in terms of, hey, can we share that solution with you? And mm-hmm. having that, you know, the common solution, common data set along with integrated with their processes, uh, what we've seen is it helps them quite a bit in terms of dealing with everything from a malware outbreak or a ransomware outbreak to, uh, your day-to-day, you know, uh, you know, application network related issues that can be triggered through uh, a security related issue, like an infected device, perhaps as well. So, oh yeah, uh, I,
2: I mean, the the amount of efficiency you build by having those those teams collaborate and be strong together, everywhere from uh, identifying, containing, and then eventually to the recovery aspect, right? I mean, right. having those teams integrated just allows you to be that much more efficient and effective um in in your responses there's no doubt
3: and being more, uh, and being more proactive is what you're saying yes. also right correcting issues so that it doesn't happen again
0: our key themes for 2021 ecosystem and integration shri thank you so much for joining us on business security weekly
3: thank you Matt. it's been a, pl- a pleasure you guys have a great uh great day
0: thanks shri you too. To it. learn more, yeah, sorry. To to learn more about protecting your hybrid workers, please visit securityweekly dot com forward slash extra hop. We're going to take a quick break and then cover the leadership and communications articles for this week.